Shortcast Club. Hello, we're here today with volume 16 of some of our favorite recent shortcasts. I'm Avi Kaufman, your host, and this is Short Lights, an anthology of the best of Shortcast Club. If you like variety, this is the podcast for you. Today's theme is Less is More. We'll hear from Kayla Yuli, a business coach, from Liz Jane, a young professional, Marissa Moyer, a career coach, Daniel Lim, a college senior, Joshua Terhune, a child psychologist, Dr. Ben Rain, a neuroscientist, and Drake Abshire, a real estate agent in Louisiana. Let's start with Kayla Yuli, a business coach for online stores. In this shortcast, she gives two great pieces of advice, both of which I think pertain to podcasting as much as they do to online stores. And if you've ever tried to start either a podcast or an online store or any other type of venture, I bet both of these will resonate with you. Cost of admission for success is failure. You are putting skin in somehow. You don't get a thriving million dollar business until you failed on your nose a couple of times and lost inventory and cried and thrown a fit and, you know, burned your house down. You also do have really good key messages. How do you still keep people engaged when you are giving a key message? The no wasted words principle. Anything that you can say, say it with less words. You think you have a one minute video? I bet it's a 20 second video. Watch it again. Listen for the dead spots. Get rid of duplicate words. Anywhere that you can shorten, contract. Give yourself $100 for every word you can eliminate and keep the message the same. Next, an episode of Liz Jane's Working Girl Shortcast. Does quantity or quality of speech matter more in a corporate environment for signaling who's a leader? One of the most consistent pieces of feedback that I get in performance reviews is that I need to be more assertive and that I need to speak more. And it reminded me of this article that I read that people who speak more are more likely to be considered leaders. The study that they found that quantity over quality of talking determines who's perceived as a leader in small groups. And males also had this leg up just because they were male, they were perceived more as leaders. And this is the problem that I have in corporate environments and in meetings because I find this to be so true. Next time you are in a work hall, listen to what that person who is babbling forever, listen to what they're saying. Are they actually bringing value to the conversation? Are they bringing any solutions forward? Are they bringing other people into the conversation to make it more inclusive? Oftentimes, I don't find that to be the case and it perpetuates this cycle that The more you talk, the more you just get to have control of the meeting or the room, even if what you're saying is total nonsense. And people in my last video were saying, well, it's because you're Asian and you're a woman and you kind of have to like try harder and speak up even more to be more noticed. These environments don't make space for people who communicate in a different way. I do agree that getting ahead would be me speaking up more and being more assertive and talking more in meetings because that's what people perceive as leadership. But is that the kind of leader that I want to be? The change has to come from the people that are realizing that this environment is not productive and it's not inclusive. I think that's where the issue lies. Let me know if you feel the same way or if you have any thoughts about this. In my opinion, it's the opposite that matters on good teams and with good leaders. In those cases, it's the quality and thoughtfulness of your remarks that matter more, which is as it should be, but it very much depends on the quality of your team and of your leaders. Continuing on the theme of good leaders or what makes a good leader or a not good leader, Marissa Moyer, a career coach, gives some advice on how to deal with a charismatically toxic leader. 
have survived the most toxically charismatic leader, okay? But I did it wrong. If I had to go back and do it again, here's exactly what I would do and why. Number one, be as non-reactive as possible. Number two, never back down from my boundaries. Period, point blank. Toxic charisma people need fuel. They need the reaction from you. They need the engagement from you in the games that they are playing. If you withhold that from them, they lose their power over you. You can't stop them from doing what they're doing. You can protect your peace and protect your reputation by refusing to emotionally react or engage. Next, let's hear from Daniel Lim. He's a senior at Duke University and comes from an immigrant family. In this episode of his shortcast, Lemmy Talks, he talks about how hard his parents work and the long hours they endure at a nail salon, six days a week, 12 hours a day, and how that influences his own dreams for the future. My parents work six days a week, 12 hours every day. They wake up at 7, drive to work at 8, get there at 9, work for 10 hours, drive back at 8, eat dinner, it's like 9.30, watch TV for an hour, and then go back to sleep, and then do it again. And I think it's just like a different level of pain to see your parents go through that, you know? I don't know how many of you guys are from immigrant families or something like that, but my parents don't speak English, and they don't have any skills besides, like, they work at a nail salon. Like, it's it's manual labor. And so it's not like some cushy desk job. It's acetone, nasty chemicals, and annoying people all day long that they have to deal with. And it's like, as their son, I can't help but feel like I have to do something about it. And so I remember in the past... I was like this angsty kid thinking, oh, like I'm going to major in philosophy. I don't, I'm not going to care about money, blah, blah, blah. And I realized that's, that's a pretty privileged take to have. And it's like I felt kind of dirty as a kid. I don't know why about money. It's like I shouldn't want it. I shouldn't lust over it. But my mindset has completely flipped. It's not like I want like a bajillion dollars, but I think, you know, a couple million to be able to help my parents retire would be nice. I don't know. What do you guys think? On the topic of parents influencing their kids, in this next shortcast from Joshua Terhune, a child therapist, he argues against the in-vogue statement that Elf on the Shelf is preparing kids for a life in a surveillance state. He explains otherwise. He says, from his perspective, Elf on a Shelf is in line with kids' cognitive development at those ages. Could it be preparing them to live in a panoptic surveillance society? No. Elf on the Shelf is not preparing young children for a panoptic surveillance society. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Go back and watch the creator's video to understand the full context of this. reason Elf on the Shelf has grown in popularity is because it is more appropriate for young children's cognitive development. Children under the age of seven have a hard time manipulating abstract ideas and concepts, which is why you see them counting with their fingers because they need tangible things to help them manipulate those tasks, which is why the conservation tasks, such as this one, is so difficult for them. And that's why kids tend to take things more literally and think in more concrete terms. So it would make sense from a cognitive development perspective that there would be this concrete representation of Santa Claus instead of just this abstract concept. Not saying I'm agreeing with Elf on the Shelf, 
But this trend has grown because we are understanding and actually caring about how children really see the world. Speaking of brain development, next let's hear from Dr. Ben Rain, a PhD neuroscientist who explains the brain in his shortcast, Make It Brain with Dr. Brain. Actually, in this episode, he asks, how much of your brain is really necessary? Is your brain really necessary? In 1980, a British neurologist posed this question after he scanned the brain of a student with 126 IQ and found that the guy basically had no brain. The student had a condition called hydrocephalus, which is where the ventricles in the brain get overfilled with cerebrospinal fluid. This can compress the nearby brain tissue and cause it to die, replacing it with fluid instead. In this student, the head was mostly filled with fluid and there was hardly any brain tissue left at all. So what's going on? Cases like this are extremely rare, and I'll admit, very hard to explain. If a part of the brain is suddenly missing or damaged, you will struggle with whatever function that part of the brain was responsible for. But the brain is also very plastic and adaptable as we know. When brain damage occurs, abilities can sometimes get remapped to other areas. Almost every brain structure exists on both sides of the brain, so if you lose one side, the other side can step up and compensate. But in the case of this guy, it's just hard to explain. It suggests that his brain managed to remap all the functions across the whole brain into this thin sliver of brain tissue. It's very rare and very incredible. But with all that said, the answer is definitely yes, your brain is necessary. Without any brain tissue at all, your body could not regulate things like breathing and heart rate, and so you would just not exist. Even tiny little worms have brains for this reason. Little brain, make do. No brain, no you. Thanks for your interest. Please follow for more neuroscience. Let's conclude by learning a new phrase from Drake Abshire, a real estate agent in Lafayette, Louisiana. He introduces us to a saying that's used there that we don't hear in the rest of the country. So you're thinking about moving to Louisiana soon? Here are the sayings you need to know living here. Sha, or some people would see it spelled as share. It is a French term, and you can say it is a term of endearment. We say it anytime we see a cute little baby, an adorable dog, or if you did something that's just really cute, we go all sha. Ah, sha. I don't know if I said that right, but I hope you enjoyed this taste of some of our favorite recent shortcasts. If you did, please subscribe. Leave a review and tell your friends. We really appreciate your support as we grow our audience. There are links for each of the creators you heard today in the show notes. We encourage you to find and follow them on Shortcast Club. Check out more great shows available on Shortcast Club. Download the app from the iOS or Android app store. Search for Shortcast Club. Thanks and happy listening. Shortcast Club.